I want you to open your Bibles this morning. The first place I want you to turn is to the um, third chapter of Malachi. And I'm going to stand up as long as I can. If I need to sit down, I will. You know, we've been looking at, and I'm excited about, uh, the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Not only standing on God's promises, but living by God's promises. Man, we rediscovered that great verse in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. Now listen to this about the promises of God in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among us, among you, by us, by me, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. Jesus was not yes and no, but in him, Jesus was yes. And then he says it. For all the promises of God in him, Jesus, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen. You know, some of the greatest promises in the Bible are the ones about God's provision for his children. I mean, how God has promised to provide for his children. But there's one thing I've noticed. All the promises of God about his provision to us are tied to giving and our blessing of others. It's almost like the promises of God concerning his provision for us are, are conditional. I know many of them are, but especially the ones concerning his provision for us seem to be tied to our giving and blessing of others. I want to show you two great promises in the Old Testament, and then we'll look at some promises in the New Testament. The first one is Malachi chapter 3. Now, y'all are all familiar with this. What a great passage it is. It's about when we give, God opens the windows of heaven. Now, that's quite a blessing. If God says, I will open the windows of heaven, then that is big. That is significant for you and for I. We, we read in Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Boy, now listen to this promise. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Prove me. God says, I want, to put you, I want you to put me to the test. You bring the tithes into the storehouse. And prove me, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. But that, that's, that's a great promise. But wait a minute. It doesn't stop there. I want you to look at the next verse. I will rebuke the devourer. How many people the devourer just devours, devours what God has blessed and wanted to bless them with? I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Hey, God said, you be faithful in giving that tenth. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'll do. Here's my promise. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You know, I heard this for the first time this week. 
I thought, well, that, that was monetary. Well, it does mean material. But let me tell you something. The heavens are not filled with money. The heavens are filled with the presence of God. <laughs> and I said, what he's saying is, as you give, he said, I'm just going to open the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out my presence upon you. And with my presence comes all the blessings that are mine. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll rebuke the devourer from you and for your The great promise of God, when we honor him with the tithe, that he will live. Listen, I want to live under an open heaven. Man, what a place to live. I want to see the devourer rebuked from me and my family. And God promised that he would do that. Then there's another great promise in the Old Testament. Related to God's provision, how God provides for us. Proverbs chapter 3. Man, what, what a great, great passage. We know, we know it well. It talks about trusting in the Lord with all our heart and leaning not to our understanding and all that. But then with verse 9, now listen to this promise from God. Honor the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 9. Couldn't be any plainer than this. It is an awesome promise. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. He said, honor God, not with the leftovers of your time, your talents, or your possessions. Honor God with the first fruit of your possessions. And you notice what he said? Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Listen, what a promise. He said, listen, honor God with the first fruits of your possessions. And you know what God will do? Man, he, your barns will overflow with plenty. You know, the whole deal about God's provision is this, is that when we bring to God, now you need to listen to me carefully. When we bring to God the first fruits of our time, we do not give God the leftovers of our time. We do not try to work God into our schedule. Now, if I've got any time, I'll read my Bible. Now, if I have any time left over, I'll, I'll share Jesus. If I have any light time left over, I, I'm going to do my best to work God in my schedule and come to church. You see, nowhere do I see the Bible saying that we're to offer God the leftovers of our time. So he would say, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your time. What about the ability God's given us? That God-given talent that he's given you. And you use it to make money. And you use it to minister to people. And it's a gift from God. But let me tell you something. <clears throat> he gave you those talents to be used for him and to glorify him and to build his kingdom. So he says, listen, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your time. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of the abilities. Use those gifts and abilities for the glory of God. And honor the Lord with the first fruits of your possession. And God will overflow and bless you. You know, boy, I love to go back in the Old Testament. It's such a beautiful picture how the Israelites, when the crop came in, when the first crops came in, you know what they did? They got the first fruits and took them to the house of God. I want you to listen in Exodus chapter 34, verse 26. Listen to this first fruits. The first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring to the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruits of your land you will bring to the house 
of the Lord your God. Then over in Nehemiah, he says it again in verse 10, verse 35. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruit of all our trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law, the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of God, to the priest who minister in the house of God. You know, God is the God of first fruits. And when we offer to God the first fruits of our time, our talents and our possession. You know what God does? He has promised to bless us over and over again, not just materially, but in every area of our life. You know why God is the God of the first fruits? Because of the first and great commandment. You know what the first and great commandment is? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen, if we love God with all our heart, and all our mind, and all our soul, and all our strength, it is impossible to give God the leftovers of our life. I'm going to tell you something. God is not the God of the leftovers. He is the God of the first fruits. Man, we'd have loved Jesus more than father, mother, brother, sister. Yes, even more than our own life. And so here, here's, the, here's the truth. You want God to bless you in every area of your life? You don't earn it. You're just doing what God says. You be a first fruit follower of Jesus. And you offer the, to God the first fruits of your time, your talents, and your possessions. And God will honor you. I've had the privilege of ministering to, uh, uh, to a gentleman in our church. And, and he'd been without work for a good while. And I remember a few months ago, he said to me, he said, I'm tired. And, and, and he never asked uh, our church to help him. He never asked for a thing. But we, we just from time to time, because I knew that he was unemployed. He was looking for employment. He was a single dad with a, a son. And uh, he said, I, I'm telling you, Brother Fred, I'm tired of being on the receiving end. He said, I want to be on the giving end. Well, recently, he, he got a job. And as he left church, and he didn't know how this impacted me. He said, Brother Fred, you know I've got a job. I said, yeah. He said, today, I was able to bring the first fruits of my blessings from God. Man, he got the message, didn't he? He knew that God had given him the job, and now, instead of being on the receiving end, praise God, he was on the giving end of the first fruit. So, there are two great promises in the Old Testament. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I'll open the windows of heaven. Pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your possessions, and your barns will be filled with plenty. But, man, you get over to the New Testament. And I want you to notice the promises of God concerning God's provision, how God provides for us in the New Testament. <clears throat> Luke six thirty eight, Jesus just stuck this verse right in the midst of a, a, of a bunch of other teachings about loving your enemies and all that kind of stuff. 
But would you listen to this promise? Now, either it's a promise from God or it's not a promise from God. And it is a promise from God, and God will honor it. Listen to what he says. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, I'm just quoting Jesus. He said, you know, as you give, as you invest in the lives of others, as you invest in the kingdom of God, given it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will men put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, God says as you have a giving heart, as you are, are a first fruit liver and a first fruit giver, God's going to return to you, give and it will be given. That's the words of Jesus. Then there, there's another great passage in the New Testament. Uh, over in Acts chapter 20, if you've got your Bible, turn over there. You know, this, this is uh, Paul in the book of Acts quotes Jesus. Now, it's not the Gospels. Paul in Acts is quoting what he heard Jesus say to him. And it had to be, it had to be when he was in the uh, after he was saved on the road to Damascus, and had to be when he's in the wilderness, when God uh, had spoke to him, because Jesus had already been crucified and risen from the dead, when God, uh, he spoke this to Paul, uh, over in Acts chapter um, 20. I want you to notice what it says. Now, th th if you get the picture of this, it'll help you. Paul had been in Ephesus for three years. Now, stay with me. Man, how they loved him at the church at Ephesus. He spent more time with that church than any other church. Now he was leaving. He was going to Rome to die. And now we see Paul's farewell departure. And I want you to notice what he says about Jesus. This is what he says in Acts twenty thirty one. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years... I did not cease to warn every one of you day and night with tears. He said, I wept over you for three years. So now, brethren, I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now listen to his testimony. I have coveted no one's silver. He, he said, I never wanted your money. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or your apparel. I've had no covetousness in my heart. In fact, listen to his testimony. You yourselves know that with these hands, I have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. You know what he said? For three years, I, I really haven't wanted your money or needed it because I've been building tents. And with the money I made from the tents, I not only took care of myself, but I took care of others that God had placed in my life. What a testimony as he's about to leave. And then he says in verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, ministering not only to my own needs but others. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus which he has said. Well, it had to be when he was in the desert or the wilderness when Jesus said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, I'm going to tell you, I've learned one thing, y'all. As I labored among you, provided not only myself or for others, I want to remind you, now you, you, you take care of the weak, because I'm going to tell you something I have found. 
Jesus told me this, and it's true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, we've all found that to be true. Every one of us know how much more blessed it is to give than to receive. You know, then there's another promise of Jesus. If you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew 25. Now, th this is a great promise. See, I'm talking about the promises of God. And the promises of God concerning His provision for us. His provision for us. Malachi, Proverbs, Jesus in Luke 6, and Paul in Acts chapter 20. Now, once again, we go to the words of Jesus. And here, he's talking about, listen to me carefully, the eternal blessings. You underline that word, the eternal blessings. Now, this is a promise. The eternal blessings that come from giving of yourself and your possessions. Listen to this. Verse 34 of Matthew 24. Then shall the king say to those on his right hand. Now listen to the blessing. Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He said, come on into the kingdom that I've prepared for you. Well, why, Lord? I was hungry. And you gave me some food. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say to him, Lord, I don't remember that. When did we see you? Hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink, naked and or a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king shall answer, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of me, my brethren. You know, when you fed that least of the brethren, when you clothed the least of the brethren, when you visited the least of the, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Jesus said, don't ever forget, an act of kindness in my name is just like you're doing it to Jesus himself. And there's the promise there, that as we give, that man, there's the eternal inheritance. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But you know, there's just two others I want to give you, and I'm going to wind this up. Over in 2 Corinthians 9, I want you to listen to what Paul said about the promises of God concerning giving. I want you to listen to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, verse 6. See, I'm just giving you the promises of God and how that every promise of God related to God blessing us in every area of our life is somehow tied to us blessing others. I'm just reading the Bible, y'all. It's so obvious. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I say to you, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. If you sow a little, you'll reap a little. But if you sow a lot, you'll reap a lot. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. Pray about it. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an, an abundance in every good work. It is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Paul said, the more you sow, the more you reap. He said, that's just a, a law, not only of, of the harvest, good or bad, but it's a law in the area of God's provision for us. But here's one of the great ones you know. Then I'm going to close with this illustration. I want you to listen to the great one. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Now, we all know this promise. And boy, when we've got in a financial tight, how many times have we promised? How many times have we quoted this? And praise God, it's true. And God will do it. I'm telling you right now, it is true. And it is a promise from God. But I want you to look at the context of it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Now, here's the promise. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, let me say it again. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. His riches in glory. It's not our riches, it's his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But, you know the context of that? The Philippians had been the only church that had supported Paul in the beginning. The Christians at Philippi had been the only ones. You'd say, well, I would have thought every church Paul ever ministered into, they, they would have supported. No. Go, go back in verse 15. Now, you Philippians know also that from the beginning of the gospel... When I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me, not no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my, uh, once again to my necessities. He said, no church was concerned about my needs. But even when I left, when I was in Thessalonica, over and over again, you sent to meet my necessities. Not that I seek a gift. But I seek fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which you sent. He sent from you a sweet, sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, and pleasing to God. He said, I am enjoying what you gave me. And then he said, God knows your heart. He said, and my God will supply all your need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He said, God knows your generosity. And God is faithful. And what a promise from God. Well, I, I want to close with this. I want you to listen to this. I hope I can tell it without weeping. Because it's hard. One of the most moving things that has happened to me in, in a long time. Uh, have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And I'll read a story to you in just a moment. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. I was ministering to a young man. Uh, he was 15 years of age. He, he was in a serious crisis in his life. A great crisis. 
as I talked to him about how that he just needed to cry out to God. Just cry out to God. Just cry out to God in this crisis. God hears and God answers. But the young man looked at me and said, but pastor, um, he said, I, I, I don't want to pray selfishly. It seems like when I start asking God for things for myself or somebody that's close to me, I feel like I'm being selfish in my prayers. I said, no, no, you listen to me. God has told you to make your request known to him. You're not being selfish when you cry out to God about your needs. Not at all. I said, let me give you a story that will tell you why. <clears throat> I said, Barnabas was sitting at the, uh, uh, get, uh, let's see, it wasn't Barnabas. Bartimaeus, it was Bartimaeus, was sitting at the gate outside of Jericho. He was blind. Jesus came by. I said, now you listen to this story. It'll show you not selfish when you ask God for something. And Bartimaeus cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And I told him the story a little more in detail. And, and I said, when he came to Jesus, I want you to listen to what Jesus asked him. I said, you know what Jesus asked Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus initiated the question. What do you want me to do for you? I said, that's not selfish for Bartimaeus to tell Jesus what he wants him to do for him. Jesus, Bartimaeus said, I'll tell you exactly what I want you to do for me. I want you to open my eyes and I want to see. And, he, and Jesus opened his eyes. I said, now you understand that Jesus is saying to you, as a young man, what do you want me to do for you? Well, then this is when he dropped the bombshell on me. He said, I like that story, Brother Fred. But you know my favorite story? And all the Bible. He was in a major crisis in his life. You know my favorite story? He says it's about the widow's mite. I thought most people didn't even know about the widow's mite. Can I read the story to you? Look at it right here. In Matthew chapter 12, excuse me, Mark chapter 12. I hope I got it right. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. He told me that this story meant more to him than anyone in the Bible. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which was two copper coins, which make a quadrant, which is a Roman coin. So he called his disciples together. Now here's Jesus, and sitting by the treasure, people are bringing their gifts and putting them in the offering. Many people gave large gifts, but here comes the widow, two copper coins, which made up one Roman coin. So he called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than those who have given to the treasury. For they all out of their abundance. But they gave out of their abundance. But she gave out of her poverty. Putting in all that she had. Her whole livelihood. And that 15 year old boy looked at me and said. You know what that story means to me brother Fred? He said, I want to always offer to God my all. Now listen to what he said. 
I want to always offer to God my all. I want to always offer to God my best. And I know our best is no good unless Jesus is in it. But you see, what he was basically saying is this. I don't want to offer to God anything that does, God, does not cost me anything. He says, I always want to be one who offers to God my everything. Wow. That would revolutionize our lives spiritually. And that would revolutionize the church of Jesus Christ. If our whole passion would be, God, I'm never going to give you the leftovers. And I'm not ever going on God just kind of, I'll tell you, Lord, I want to be like that widow. Man, I want to put it all on the altar. I want to put it all on the altar. I want to put it all on the altar. And I don't want to ever offer anything to you that's blind or lame. I want to offer what is best. Well, a little thing interested as I was walking in today. You know, I didn't shake hands because I don't want you to get what I got. But uh, as I was walking down, a young man said, Brother Fred, wait a minute. I, I want to give you something. He doesn't have a job. He's looking diligently for a job. He's doing everything he knows. I know that he is living really from day to day. But he said, I don't know why, Brother Fred, but God told me to give this to you. And it was an envelope with a sizable amount of money. I'll just tell you what it was. It was $300. And I said, I didn't say a word to him. He said, I don't know why God told me to give it to you, but he did. I know why God told me to give it to me. See, this guy, he gave all he had. He probably gave what he didn't have. I didn't tell him to. In fact, I would encourage him, look, you ain't got a job. You've got four kids. No, but I'm glad he wouldn't have listened to me. I'm glad he listened to God. I'm going to tell you this. God is our provider. He is our provider. And all we have to do is just love him, offer him the first fruits of our life. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed breaking bread. God is our source. And you say, I want to experience the blessing of God in my life physically, spiritually, materially. Yeah, I do too. And I'm going to tell you something. It's greatly tied into the whether or not you have a giving heart. Not just your money, but a giving heart of your time, of your talents, and your possession. You are a giver. And man, when you are a giver, I learned one thing. You can't ever outgive God.